from high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Justin Higginbottom. This is your news for Thursday, October 6th. Monsoon season officially ended last week. Molly Marcello checks in with a regional expert from the National Weather Service on Moab's notable season. When meteorologist Jeff Colton first moved to the arid southwest in 1998, he bought a boat. Lake Powell was full. I bought a boat, thought it was cool to have a boat. And then ever since that time, the lake just kept losing water and water. We've been in this drought. What some call a 20-year drought. Most of the western U.S. has experienced such dryness for so long that Colton says people may have forgotten what a, quote, more normal monsoon season looks like. That's kind of what this year was is more of a normal monsoon season. It's kind of like I remember it when I first moved here back in the late 90s and early 2000s. Using the word normal can be a risk when it comes to the weather, but Colton explains it's about measuring extremes from year to year. It's like walking your dog. Your dog doesn't walk in a straight line. He likes to go venture off and smell every bush and tree and whatever. So that's weather. And if weather is a dog, then they were walking off-leash, all over the place in Moab this season. Colton says the area had a lot of big storms. Not constant, not every day, but... When they did hit, they seemed to hit with a force and vengeance and it brought you guys a lot of mud and debris flows. On August 20th, Moab received between one to one and a half inches of rain in a span of 20 minutes. That led to significant flash flooding. The city is still recovering from significant infrastructure damages. Meteorologist Colton is based in the National Weather Service's Grand Junction office, where their radar monitors southeastern Utah. He came to Moab right after that big flood. I could not believe the amount of mud and debris that came washing down. And we spoke with a lot of your local residents, some that backed up to Mill Creek and had never seen that before. You know, the 100-year floodplain was fully engulfed, and it was, it was definitely impressive. Impressive, interesting. These are words Colton would use to describe this season's monsoons. Moab even had some precipitation events this past weekend, although he explains those storms were technically outside of monsoon season. It's the battle of the seasons, so we're battling between the end of summer and and we're moving into fall, so we see some more energy moving down out of Canada and the Pacific Northwest, and that's kind of what we saw this weekend. Okay, so this past weekend storms weren't monsoons, so when exactly is the monsoon season? If it's going to be more active, it's probably good to be prepared. All right. Um, this is a great question. When There's really goofy scientific explanations, and I'm going to give you the, the simple answer. We got together with the Southwest U.S. offices, uh, weather service offices. So we're looking at Phoenix, Tucson, Flagstaff. And we all decided that we're going to define the monsoon season as June 15th through September 30th. It's hard to tell if more active monsoons will be a trend in the future. Flooding aside, Colton says they do help with other issues. This year, they kept fires down across the southwest, and the sky's clear. There wasn't as much smoke in the atmosphere this summer. There's a lot of positives to an active monsoon season. But whether it will affect the overall climate, that's a more complicated question. If this can tell us anything about long-term climate trends, meteorologist Colton sold his boat and bought a camper instead. With KZMU News, I'm Molly Marcello. KZMU News recently released our first issue of Great Tape, an audio magazine. The theme of that show was Off to the Races, and during the program we checked in on personal races happening every day in Moab. Perhaps the award for earliest start time in those goes to John Schwager. He runs the donut shop. 
and to make sure locals and tourists get the donut of the highest quality, he begins baking at around midnight. I met him at his shop while the streets of Moab were empty, many residents fast asleep, dreaming of that first morning donut. Right now I'm making glaze. Powdered sugar, water, a few other ingredients. Mix it all together, 40 pounds of powdered sugar, so it makes about 60 pounds of glaze, enough for about five, six days. Well, it's 10 minutes to one. So I usually start at 12.30. It takes me about six hours to make everything every morning. And then uh, make deliveries to all the convenience stores in town. And then I uh, come back to the store and sell donuts all day. Schwager works this schedule six days a week. On those days, he's asleep by five in the afternoon. He wouldn't describe it as the sweet life. I have a horrible life. Every activity, every restaurant, everything happens after five o'clock, after I go to bed. So, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, that's my one day a week is the only day I get a chance to do anything. But for him, it's necessary. He says most donut shops use a premix, add some flour, water, and they're done. But he does everything from scratch. He mixes six different kinds of flour. So where most people stop is basically where I start. And by the time I get done, my donuts don't taste anything at all like what you get at a store. Basically your generic store-bought, pre-mixed donuts just, even though they're fresh, they just don't have the flavor that I have. He could cut a couple hours off his day, lower the quality of his donuts, but get to have more of a life. He just won't do it. You have to have pride in your product. Otherwise, why are you in business, you know? He's just selling junk, then why bother? So I take a lot of pride. I won't sell anything that's undercooked. I won't sell anything that's just not perfect. And there's been many days where I've thrown away a whole bunch of stuff just because it wasn't, just didn't meet my quality standards. So, you know, it's important. Schwager's been making donuts here for nearly three years. He used to work in the printing business in California, making hard copies of blueprints for architects. The uh, recession in 2008 killed the market. In, the revenue just dropped. People started emailing drawings like they never had before. So by 2018, there just wasn't enough money to stay in business. And with all the people in California just looking for a new direction, it decided that, ah, heck, the internet's never gonna put donuts out of business like they did my uh, printing business. So I'm just gonna do something that the internet's never gonna affect. So I decided to make donuts. In some ways, Schwager is isolated from the community he now calls home. Outside selling donuts, there's not a lot for him to join in on. Concerts, the free concerts in the parks and all that type of stuff, the community events, even things like high school football games. You know, you can't really participate in a lot. But in another way, he's more a part of this community than most. He sees the same loyal customers come and go. He gets to meet new ones. His donuts are a linchpin in Moab's mornings. On the upside is that people love donuts and people go crazy over donuts. This is not just a, a, a regular business like my printing shop. This is something that really has impact to people. It means something. It's a lot more than just my business. It's a community business. It's a community place. So I, I try real hard just to make sure that 
everybody's included and everybody's, you know, this is their donut shop, not just my business. So it's it's a lot different than anything. A lot of people are emotionally attached to donuts. There's a few people in this town that go crazy over donuts, you know, and people you wouldn't expect to go crazy over donuts. So it's a whole different type of business and you have to treat it with respect. You can find this story and others like it, and some not like it at all, at the KZMU website. We'll have a link in the show notes. Utah schools will be required to provide free period products to students this year. Claire Scott at Utah Public Radio has more. As students came back to school this year, they were met with a change. Not in the classrooms, but in the girls' bathroom. Voting is now open on House Bill 162. In this year's general session, Bill H-162 was passed unanimously, requiring all K-12 schools to provide feminine hygiene products in school bathrooms. Emily Bell McCormick, founder of the Utah Period Project, said she was thrilled with the support from the legislature. It is very rare for a big social issue like this to get through unanimously. In fact, I'm not aware of another one in our state. In past years, students had to pay for period products in dispensers, if they were lucky enough to have one in their school at all. Girls without access at school or home were left to finance their own products, a problem that Skyview student Angie Reeder and Farmington High student Victoria Durden are well aware of. Some people like might not even be able to afford some, something like that, and I feel like it's, it's something that every like, teenage girl needs. I know a lot of people personally that can't afford to purchase these products. Girls already understand the importance of these dispensers in their schools. Not only do they see how it affects those around them, girls like Farmington High student Aislinn Ludensock have personal experiences regarding periods and the necessity of access to feminine hygiene products. When I started it, I didn't have a pad or tampon. Most of the time, I just wad up like a bunch of toilet paper and then wait till I got home because I never wanted to ask anyone because I felt too embarrassed. As students use dispensers, the conversation around periods becomes less stigmatized, a problem that McCormick says stopped progress for years. Periods and talking about them and dealing with something that's so incredibly basic, we've just completely like blinders. We're not looking at it, you know? With Utah Public Radio, I'm Claire Scott. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, October 6th. Get your community power journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.